0: German study that showed if you'd had an ankle injury, an ankle sprain at any point in your life, you were 10% more likely to have heart issues. Oh, wow. Respiratory issues.
1: Hi there, and welcome to another episode of Shift with Tribra. I'm your host, Shubha Venetti. I'm a certified sleep consultant for adults and children. I'm also a baby science program instructor and an Akashic light healing practitioner. And on today's episode, we'll be talking all things feet. So comprised of 50 bones, 200 muscles, 60 joints, tendons, and ligaments. This is both your feet. They're basically a real marvel of engineering and often one area of the body that we tend to neglect. Our feet are made for physical activity, walking, running, movement, and it's important not to tiptoe around the importance of foot health. Despite the distance from your heart, the health of your feet can actually impact the overall health of your body as well as your heart, of which Tim will also be talking about. So Tim Meaden is a podiatrist at the foot practice in Singapore. He's also a visiting podiatrist at the Haoma Cl- Medical Clinic Singapore. And he moved to Singapore in 2011, commenced working with Tantok Seng Hospital before joining the foot practice. He's a keen sportsman, golfer and a runner and has many tips and expert advice for us. So I hope you enjoyed today's episode. Do like us, subscribe to the channel, share this episode with someone who you might think would benefit from the information. And if you have any suggestions on future episode content, please do write into us our details are in the show notes below. In the meantime, I hope you enjoyed today's content and thank you so much for tuning in. Welcome Tim to the podcast. Thank you so much for agreeing to do this. I think it's so important that people understand about feet and how feet health actually play into the overall wellness of the person's body. So I wanted to just start with, you know, acknowledging that there are 50 bones, 200 muscles and 60 joints, tendons and ligaments that make up the feet. Is it each foot or is it together with the feet? Uh, that's,
0: the... that's the combo. That's That'd the combo be, of two right. feet. Yeah.
1: Wow, that's quite a significant number of muscles and bones and just sitting at the base of our being. So it's, I mean, it's It's almost like a biological engineering marvel in general, I mean, as is the whole body. So I wanted to just understand first, how did you get so interested in wanting to be a podiatrist? And maybe... If you can sort of explain the difference of what a podiatrist does compared to an orth- like an orthopedic surgeon who specialises in feet, I'm guessing there's a difference.
0: There's a pretty big, pretty big yeah. difference. In that one. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and um, so I started off. I did a geography degree initially, geography and business, and okay. travelled the world a bit. You know, living in different countries, ski seasons, and you know, volunteer work. Set up a small business or so a couple well more than a couple and it, it felt a bit heartless you know it felt a bit dead and i realized that's when i really like helping people you know i really just enjoyed it got a kick out of feeling like i was making a difference yeah. so i looked at the different qualifications that i could do and one was kind of obviously full-on medicine yeah you know which was but then i was 24 and i felt like a, an old man you know to be going back to every study so i thought yeah. seven years was a long time and then it was between physiotherapy and podiatry or psychology. They were my kind of three Thanks to look at. Mm. And what I loved about podiatry was it's very autonomous. Okay. You know, so we, we're kind of making our own decisions and diagnoses and everything else. I mean, it wasn't a case of having six sessions to fix somebody. It was almost fixing somebody on the spot. Mm. You know? And I really liked that idea where we could make a change your shoe to make somebody walk better or cut out an ingrown toenail to take away a pain immediately Mm. and it was that aspect that really appealed to me so in part i did it so i could work in different countries around the world so i've worked in india china peru you know
2: nice yeah
0: yeah and just it's just really cool so we've done works with dermatologists clinics in india leprosy villages in in india and Mm. you know filaria and you know orphans in peru and it's just being so kind of broad scoping, even though you think of the foot as just being at the end of the body. Yeah. yeah. I, I loved it because it was, you know, most people have them and if they're not working, then, you know, you can cause real issues.
1: Okay, so tell us maybe straight away into like, what are those real issues if you're not really working them properly or taking care of them?
0: I mean, it, it comes in different, there's so many different formats. Mm. So we've got, we treat loads of children in the clinics yeah so pediatric places where the kids got really flat feet or they're falling over a lot or their toes are pointing inwards or you know or they're like really flexible so they fall over a lot then we've got really old people kind of who just physically can't cut their toenails or people with diabetes who have holes in their feet holes you know. in their feet
1: wow okay
0: Yeah, so from wound care to Mm. constant falls as a child to just immobility issues. And then the stuff that most of us really love is kind of biomechanics. So watching how somebody runs and makes them run better. Mm. Takes away an injury, takes away pain so they can continue training.
1: Right, okay. So maybe let's talk about how the foot alignment kind of should be. Because obviously you mentioned this flat feet. Then there's people with very high arches. I mean, and in terms of like, should everyone be wearing like then, because we are obviously made differently for our feet, should we be wearing shoes all the time? Because I mean, how does the alignment of the foot then work into the entire body? Maybe I should start with that.
0: I mean, if, if the foot position or posture is compromised in any way,
2: hmm.
0: I mean, the stresses of the body are completely altered. I mean, in effect, our feet are there for locomotion. They're there for movement. Yeah. Or to stop a movement, right? So they're Mm. there to make you go faster, slower, or change direction. And the foot joint is the first thing that comes in contact with the ground. So if that position is off, yeah. The stress on the next joint is higher. Yes. Then to the joint above it, I've got a prop.
1: Yes. (laughs) We like props. Ta da!
0: Yeah, okay, so, like, so if the foot is in a kind of funny position down here, yeah, then the stress comes on the knee.
1: Yeah, because it opens, ah, right, yes. Mm-hmm.
0: Or, or vice versa, turning the other way. Mm. Now, sometimes all the strengthening in the world of the joints above it is not going to eliminate the stress on the joint. You know, so if we can correct the position of the foot a little bit better, then the joints above it can change position as well. Now, you were saying, should people wear shoes all the time? Well, against shoes most of the time.
1: Oh, okay. Tell us why.
0: I, I mean, there's loads of different studies going at the moment. We tend to cherry-pick kind of what we want. I mean, if we believe that shoes should be worn, we, we find all the research we want to support it. If we believe it shouldn't be worn, you know, we find all the research for it. You know, so we tend to kind of pick and choose what we like. Hmm. I mean, one of the arguments I always hear is whoever didn't make us that way you know we weren't created to be in shoes we're wild animals and we should have wild feet and and i always laugh because that's a ridiculous argument because when you look around your apartment and you think about your lifestyle you know dialing for food you know so you don't have to leave your apartment i mean it's hardly a wild life
1: yeah that's true
0: it's not really man in the wilderness type stuff is it
1: (laughs) So do you think like our physical system hasn't necessarily evolved to our lifestyle in that sense? Like the physical body is still sitting probably back in its, in its old state that way.
0: I think our bodies are generally getting a lot weaker. Mm. I mean, sitting at a desk is not really conducive to building a six pack. Yeah. (laughs) Much as kind of shuffling around an apartment in slippers,
1: Mm. is
0: not necessarily going to strengthen your feet.
1: So then let's break it down for different peoples in that sense. So people with flat, well, let's talk, what is a flat foot? Is it basically someone with a low arch or a high arch?
0: So a flat foot is typically considered somebody with a very low arch. And it depends what we're trying to achieve or what we're thinking about achieving with this. Yeah. I mean, if we're thinking about it in a child, I mean, a child up to the age of eight is going to have a very flat foot, generally, Mm. Mm. unless there's neurological conditions or some anomaly in the law yeah but typically the feet and the foot don't really develop fully until they're kind of eight to 12 years old okay what i mean is like become bone yeah so they're cartilaginous before that
1: generally Ah, right okay
0: in part so Mm. those kids are going to have quite flat feet
2: Mm.
0: okay and it's pretty normal yeah much the same as kind of and and it doesn't really cause issues in many many people And then you see people in teens with kind of very flat feet And they Mm. get no pain at all They get in 20s, they have no pains at all Then they get to the 30s And they start getting active again Then they start getting pains
1: And why is that?
0: It's often, in my experience, just a bit of deconditioning So they've got nothing, the body's got weaker And then they start putting a load on it Right. And the load just stresses it out too much
2: Because
1: I think it would be good to know for people Okay, so that's flat feet So then when it comes to people with the opposite end which is like high arches yeah yeah those typically as you said usually show up when a child's around eight years old is when you would probably see this or from young can you already see some parts of this
0: Look, the trouble with kids is we can speculate all we like about yeah all aspects of it so sometimes you can see there's a bit more of an arch in a young child
2: mm-hmm.
0: um and sometimes it, you can use it as a gauge to other conditions. Yeah. But typically, you don't look at a foot as a static structure or a static mm. kind of body part. You have to watch it in in action. You have to watch it in movement.
2: Yes. Yes. To
0: understand yes. how it's moving with the ground. So standing on a pressure mat. Yeah. And telling somebody that they've got flat feet or high arches—it's like telling you've got dark hair. Way. Yeah.
2: Right. Yeah,
0: you've got dark hair. Yeah. yeah. Oh no, is it really dark? <laughs> really? Yeah. It's really dark.
2: <laughs> oh.
0: But yeah, unless so you move it got... into
1: context, then obviously then it starts to make a difference if you understand like where it's being applied in and then the context is influencing something of that yeah.
0: nature. Yeah, exactly. So we we often speculate that if you're getting an injury, it's because of this condition over here. It's because mm. you've got fat feet or over pronation where your foot rolls a lot. Yeah. You know, so it goes from the outside to the inside. Mm. But as I said, sometimes people have been walking like this for their entire life. Yeah. And it's only kind of way down the line that they end up with an injury. Mm. So again, it's too difficult to be definitive about. It. Oh, you've got flat foot. That's why yeah. you have such. X Y Z. Okay.
1: All right. Yeah. So maybe let's break down. Because we go back to the original question. Then, in terms of like, what does a podiatrist do? as opposed to so, the foot well the, the feet surgeon is a podiatrist like a foot doctor in a way but just not a surgeon
0: no we're not even doctors okay in, in most cases okay i mean we're like a physiotherapist of the feet i guess or an osteopath okay. of the feet okay because we just specialize on the foot and some of us go a bit wider and we go up the knee and we try to understand why people are getting symptoms in the body and so we do a few surgeries so we can do nail surgery when i was training in Cambridge, we'd do local anesthetics of the, the foot and ankles, mm-hmm. but we don't do any kind of kind of invasive surgery really. So where okay. the orthopedic will give the scans and do the MRIs, we're kind of first port of call. So people would come right. to us with a symptom and then we'd say, oh, this is a bit, something a bit funky is going on. Go and see the orthopedic. Right. Or
1: so you're the first line of defense in a way, or you're like the first point of call to maybe go see before you get to the next level, if required.
0: Yeah, exactly. I think of us, like, definitely in the NHS in the UK, we'd be seen as gatekeeper.
2: Mm. Yeah.
0: The patient would come and see us, we'd then kind of direct them to the right port of call, so to speak.
1: So what are the typical conditions then that, in Singapore at least, since you've been having a practice here for quite some time now, when did you open the foot practice? Sorry.
0: I took it over. So the guy I took it over from was called Adam Mm -hmm. Jorgensen and he opened it in 2004. I took it over about four or five years ago now, after working for him for three years.
1: Okay. So then in, in Singapore, what are the typical conditions do you think that many people tend to come in for? Like if you had the top five condition or top three conditions, what are people usually coming in for to see a podiatrist?
0: So in the government hospital, they'd come in for wounds or toenails, generally.
1: Toenails. Um, Mm -hmm. In
0: private world, I'll typically see heel pain, so plantar fasciitis, Mm. bunions, knee pain, generalized. Mm -hmm. Yeah, corns and calluses, fungal infections of the nails.
1: Fun. All all the fun stuff. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Sounds great. (laughs) And and got some photos, I'm happy to share. Yeah. <laughs> we could try, and we'll just <laughs> put a link there for people if they really want to see. And then for children, like what are some of the common issues that some kids come in? As you said, inward facing feet, for example, or inward facing toes, yes. I think was one of them. Sorry.
0: Yeah. So we see, I do see a lot of pediatric cases. The majority of the pediatric cases are, are pains actually. That we used to call growing pains, kind mm. of like heel pain, kind of again, knee pains. They're, they're the most common conditions we tend to see. And then they're the symptoms where the children mention it. And then on the other side, you've got where family members have been making comments about their daughter, son or daughter, about walking funny or pigeon toe, or which is pointing inward toes. And or the children have flat feet. So the parents come in. You know, flustered and stressed
1: yeah i mean do you think that the shoes that children wear from young should be, be very heavily considered when they're choosing mm. shoes or because i mean shoes are not cheap obviously right sometimes or good shoes maybe may not be as right. easy to find or that affordable so should parents be focusing mm. a lot on choosing the right shoes with a podiatrist's consideration? Or can they just go ahead and just buy shoes? But like, should they be considering certain things as the child is growing in that sense? I'm just trying to think of different scenarios. Obviously you're saying between the ages of zero to eight, the child's feet are not necessarily very bony. So would that then stand as an argument that as long as they don't see any of these other sort of issues that generally any shoe should be fine?
0: As I was saying, I'm a big fan of barefoot in children. I love it when kids are barefoot and they're running around in a gym or they're running around on the grass or on the beach, if possible, Mm. you know. I I think childhood should be about kind of working the little muscles in the foot. So as you say, there's kind of loads of, there's kind of like 30 joints in the foot. Mm. I think it should be about working those joints as much as we can, you know, to strengthen all their little muscles. The more we strengthen them, the more we exercise them, the stronger they're gonna get. You know in most cases so i think we should as much as we can be barefoot you know for running and jumping when we're picking our shoes i mean i used to have the mindset that it should be a very stiff shoe it should be you know hold the foot in the right posture Mm. the right position children's feet are so different i mean even though they are kind of structurally immature they're they're different between one child to the next you know and it's definitely to Difficult to tie everybody with the same brush and what they should be wearing.
1: Mm.
0: So, I think the main thing you should be looking for is comfort. Okay. So, just put the shoes on the kid, the child, your child, your loved one, your precious, dearest Timmy, and just make sure they feel good in the shoes and get them running around. And also, color is very important in children.
2: <laughs> so, make sure they
0: like the color of the shoe.
1: When they get slightly older, I remember when I was a teenager, for example, I went to a school that was predominantly very basketball, like fanatic, crazy. (laughs) Because that was the only sort of playground we had in the school was three basketball courts. So everyone played basketball and everyone (laughs) bought basketball shoes. And that was like, you know, if you had the latest Jordans or Iversons or whatever it was. When they obviously start going past eight and they start going to teenagers... Now, less yeah. chances of being barefoot, right? Because more time in school, yep. more sport activities usually, heavier sporting activities. Yep. So, should... And obviously, when we go to a shoe shop, there's like a billion different shoes, right? You have for running, and then you have for weight training, then you have for this, and ski... I don't know, not skiing, but like basketball and football and <laughs> different... Yeah. Like... I've uh, enough, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean... Besides having football boots that are specifically designed for football pitches and or cricket shoes for cricket pitches and golf ones, does it make a difference for teenagers to be maybe having different pairs of shoes for different activities or can they just get something off the shelf that way? Or would it be good to maybe have an assessment with a podiatrist just to see how the child's growing and then using the right shoe to then match up for the activities that they need to do in
0: life. Definitely come and see your podiatrist. That's a requisite for everybody, I think. Mm. But, but picking your shoes, sports-specific shoes is really important, right? So even in basketball, you've got offense versus a defense shoe.
2: <laughs>
0: and what that means is, you know, the height of the heel, or the height of the side, so it's like a high top versus a mid top, because you're reducing, if you're always on back pedaling, you wanna control your ankle movement a little bit better. Mm. And if you're on a fence, you're kind of, you want to be able to change direction a little bit faster. So you're generally a lower top. If you're looking at at tennis, you're mainly on the balls of your feet. So you wanna have the front of the shoe a little bit wider Mm. and a little bit smoother around the side because you're constantly tipping your foot left and right. And if there's a, a drop off, yeah. Then that drop might be too dramatic and give you ankle injury. So wearing a running shoe to play tennis, unless you're just having a tap around, is not sensible really. So you'd be getting a get a proper shoe for the sport. As you say, running in a pair of basketball boots is not appropriate. You know, much the same as playing basketball in a tennis shoe, it's not really effective for protecting your ankles.
2: Yeah. Okay.
0: Definitely sport specific should be sensible. Unless you're just doing a bit of PE and
1: yeah. you're not
0: really exerting yourself.
1: Yeah, I mean, we, I two? think some kids—I I don't know—but I think I definitely was part of the gang that was very just exerting ourselves. <laughs> if we play, we play. We play. We play proper. You know, like <laughs>
2: that, that yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah.
1: <laughs> like we play serious okay basketball is taken seriously for us in this school <laughs> everything else ah, hockey yeah okay ah. no basketball was like very very serious so and i think that's the other thing is i just want it because when i grew a little bit older and i started having all these injuries so i first hurt my knee when i was 13 with a torn pcl and then i fell down the stairs and i herniated One of my discs slightly and then my pelvis misaligned and then i started understanding when i was going to a physiotherapist that one just even walking wise my feet are not in a certain alignment so therefore even with my the way i was walking in terms of how i ran was never assessed obviously and then i just bought very nice looking shoes because everyone was buying the same shoes all right because it was just nice yes. and pretty to buy the jordans that were ankle high because that looked good on my feet okay <laughs> and i think it's so important that with young people coming in now since we have the choice available and the accent that parents, especially if they're going to have very active kids, because I think kids are a lot more active today than they have. You know, every year, every generation, we have much more like kids that are doing so many more activities compared to just going and playing outside for like six hours, right? It's just like, oh, you have this activity, and then you have this sports, you know, whatever, club, then you have to go this class and this class, football class on Saturdays, rock climbing, da, da, da. So is it then maybe a good idea for parents to definitely, you know, consider that if your child is going to be doing various activities, it would be in their best interest for their feet and then their general alignment also, one, to get assessed by a podiatrist. And then two, yep. maybe have to consider getting a different shoe for each sporting activity. It sounds
0: very expensive. Yeah. Very expensive. <laughs> I think you'd probably be to a certain point you'd be as well to get a multi purpose shoe okay if cost is a consider- consideration mm. and picking those is is often good to kind of have a good discussion with your podiatrist depending on the sports okay. but if you've got a massive okay. range of sports and i mean if you're say rock climbing to ice skating and you know tennis and football sprinting track yeah then yeah. there's a big variety there so probably different shoes for those sports yeah But if you've got a mix between kind of a tennis, a squash, and a badminton.
2: Nah, that's I mean, yeah. different. Yeah,
1: of course. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. No, cause like for example, my husband was a footballer, basketball, cricket player, and also track and field. So, yeah. and he only had one, two pairs of shoes, one for cricket and the rest for everything else.
0: <laughs> yeah, so there's a really nice study that I was kind of following up on the other day. And we were looking at elite athletes in Australia and you're changing between three different running shoes for training or three different sports shoes for the training regime. And that reduced risk of injury by, it was a huge amount. I think it was 60% by varying, alternating your shoes. Yeah. Now that might be because you're putting a different stress on the body,
2: Hmm.
0: you know, so you don't end up with those overuse injuries.
2: Yeah.
0: Or it may just be because the the people training are being sensible and they're using a, a weightlifting shoe for this sport and, or for this activity and a running shoe for that activity, and a, by wearing the appropriate shoe, you can reduce risk of injury. Yeah, that's,
1: okay. that's important for people to hear, though. It's like wearing the right shoe and having guidance from a podiatrist, it would be a good move to do so that we avoid the risk of really bad injuries. Because now I'm thinking, no wonder he broke two ankles, you know, when he was 17 years old. Because I think he just obviously put way too many stresses by doing so many activities with just one pair of shoes or two pairs maybe maximum two pairs and then had no idea how it contributed to his ankles injuries either
0: oh, is, he broke his own ankles not yeah, somebody yeah. Else's.
1: no 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 his own okay. <laughs> no no he broke his own he was in crutches for like a good you know six whatever how many months in his 12th grade but yeah and then he's never really like run the same i think he's always so conscious about that so it's a whole different story i think in a way but
0: yeah, so no that's quite a relevant one so there's a nice study again i think it was german study that showed if you'd had an ankle injury an ankle sprain At any point in your life, you're ten percent more likely to have heart issues, oh wow, respiratory issues. Yeah, not even just recurring injuries, but kind of actual. Why?
1: How come? Is what's the correlation between like heart health or cardiovascular health and ankle sprains?
0: It's mobility. So the more mobile we are, kind of the more active we are, the better the body functions. Yeah. You often see it in kind of elderly people where they suddenly take up exercise and they they start to look a lot younger.
2: Mm.
0: Yeah. So if we can maintain that level of activity and not, as soon as we start our new job, we stop exercising for a year or six months. Yeah. If we can stop doing that and we continue exercising all the way through, we should look younger and act younger, and have a better heart.
2: Mm. So
0: proper rehabilitation after a simple ankle injury is like a super important. One.
2: Okay. Well,
0: after any
1: injury. After any injury, yeah, absolutely. No, very, very true. So when you talk about nail health as well, I mean, do a lot of these things go kind of undiagnosed for a while or is it pretty, like, in terms of nail health and foot fungus and all that kind of stuff, these are things that people sort of neglect over time, I would imagine, because Singapore is quite a humid country, so these things can happen quite easily because of wearing footwear and in sweats and everything because our feet are quite porous, these conditions are, can be quite common but easily overlooked.
0: Yeah, I think like, with everything, whether it's sleep or yes. you don't realize that it's bad until you, know, you start worse. to see symptoms. <laughs> yes. Yeah, until you start seeing big symptoms. So for ingrown toenails, for example,
2: hmm.
0: it's where the nail grows into the skin and causes infection. But it starts off with discomfort. You know, and it's a bit sore, so we tend to ignore it. Oh, it's a bit sore. You rub it or you cut it deeper and deeper. Mm. And then finally it's swollen and distracting you from your daily life. And that's when I tend to see the people. because right. they just come in when they feel it, it's just...
1: A bit easier to just nip it right then.
0: Nip it in the nail.
1: Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. okay. So then what are the tips that people should inculcate for their feet and feet health?
0: so if we're looking at an odour point of view like i mean i'd be looking at changing your shoes and changing your socks daily Mm
2: -hmm.
0: foot fungus is kind of one of the biggest things in singapore we tend to see foot health related so using antifungal powders and creams Mm -hmm. is really important people will often put just normal detergent in the wash with their shoes and socks with the expectation that's going to kill a fungus but it's often antibacterial so it doesn't touch the fungus okay So we've got to treat specifically the kind of the problems that we've got, whether it's fungus, we treat it with antifungal. If it's viral, it's antiviral. If it's bacterial, antibacterial. Mm.
2: You've
0: got to make sure you're treating the right condition. But getting good diagnoses is often useful. So self-diagnosing is is useful in the first instant, I think. But it's often good to get the opinion of somebody knows what they're looking at. Yeah. I tend to recommend people soak their feet in warm, salty water kind of once a week or so. Oh yeah. It's just a nice antibacterial, but also it's good for the brain. It just slows everything down. I'd, I'd be pulling the insoles out from inside the shoes. So they'd let them air. I'd apply antifungal powder to the shoes and socks on a daily basis anyway, before wearing them. Alternating shoe wear is also useful. You know, it gives them a chance to breathe. Mm. Then if we look at your toenails, I'd be looking at your toenails and cutting them in a straight line, filing the edges, keeping it nice and smooth, nice and easy. Now, if you've got a medical condition and you've got hard skin on the feet, say if you have diabetes, then we look at callus as being pre-ulcerative, meaning it's just one step from causing ulceration. Right. So it's good to get that removed and not removing it with a nail nippers in the bathroom, but actually getting maybe the nurse practitioner to do it or come and see the podiatrist to kind of do it properly.
2: Mm, yeah. And if
0: you do have these medical conditions, check in twice a day, morning and night, is quite, quite effective as well.
1: It would be a good thing to maybe for everyone to get their feet assessed, like in terms of movement, in terms of care, hygiene and everything with a podiatrist, maybe like once every year, at least sort of just like knowing it's still moving or once in a couple or do you think it's only when something is going wrong that you should go once in their lifetime?
0: (laughs) Once in a lifetime. Yeah. Well, hopefully, right? Pain once in their life. Depends on the practitioner, really. And what we're trying to achieve with it I mean I'd love to say come and see your podiatrist every oh, six yeah. months right? like a dentist Okay, tell me why but I wouldn't say that
1: <laughs> you would like to say it though so clearly you have a reason I'd like no, but to... you clearly have a reason for it so what What would be the reason if one were to consider every six months
0: so if you're suffering from a medical yeah. condition I mean if you have a, a diabetes or a uh, autoimmune yeah. disease then we can just draw attention to different factors you know which the client, the patient may have overlooked or accepted as normal. And it it, it could be a big issue if left alone. So in those cases, it's quite important. From the assessments we do, we look at balance, we look at range of movement, we look at stability and strength. And in kids, it might be useful every year. But as adults, I mean, I feel like a shop attendant by saying you should come in every six months, really.
1: I know so, you feel like a shop attendant, but I, I I think, mean, there must be clearly a benefit to doing that. And what would that benefit be?
0: I think if we, look, we give a kind of a group of exercises and the assessments we do, we give it with the patients to take away. Okay. So you can self-assess. And if we give you four simple assessments then you can do them every week, you can almost use that as your baseline. Mm. And you can see if you're getting worse, better or worse. Now, the, the trouble we have is if we're trying to predict an injury, we just don't know yeah. how to do it. As I say, you can go 40 years or 30 years with no injuries. And then all of a sudden it comes to say that it's caused Mm. by this is kind of wrong. And conversely, I mean, I think that's Mm. also wrong. We can speculate, but it's often false. You know, so if we can give kind of four good assessments and then you use that as your assessments for your life, and then if one of them is off, you can come and see us and we can kind of rejig your exercises or change your insoles or give footwear advice. What I'm saying is you probably don't need to say, if we give you a baseline of exercises and assessments that you can do yourself, you can see if you're getting better or worse. If you're getting worse, you know, come back and see us and then we can find out why it's Mm. happening. If it's pretty solid and you don't have any symptoms then I don't really see the point in coming back. Yeah. Other than say hello and everything feels great.
2: Give you a fruit
1: basket to thank you.
0: (laughs) Yeah, exactly.
1: Like that, right? It's also nice to see people without the problem.
2: (laughs) It's
0: nicer, (laughs) yes.
1: Okay. And then in I mean, would you since you are sort of the first gatekeepers of feet health, would you recommend people to get pedicures, like you know, regularly in general, men and women?
0: Well, like I'd suggest if they can't do it themselves, they should come and see Mm. a pediatrist. Okay. Like really come and see the podiatrist if you can't okay. do it yourself if it's a beauty issue i would vanity issue i'd make sure you are use the same pedicurist you know there's some really good ones out there but there's also some quite dodgy practices where they don't clean their equipment they don't really care they don't really understand what they're doing so i'd strongly avoid it. those places but definitely if you find somebody you trust and you like then mm. i'd go and see them and often the podiatrist will have a good communication with them so if we're talking to you pedicurists, then there's a big issue. Then they'll often send me photos, or and, and then we can kind of treat it. Right.
1: Okay. Because that's kind of I think almost like the first gatekeepers over here is that a lot of pedicurists are the ones who are like, hmm, you should probably get this product for this your know, this store this area kind of thing, kind of <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> instead of a podiatrist, it's the pedicurist <laughs> is our first line of defense, and then. It's like, oh, something's wrong, so we should go see further. Essentially, yeah. really, like people should not be living with pain in their feet. I mean, if there's even some slight of discomfort going on, or if it's prolonged discomfort going on, then something is up, and it would be worth going for an assessment.
0: If you've got a pain in the body, it shouldn't be yeah. there. I mean, it's yeah. a warning. Pain is a warning to your body that something's mm. not quite right, and whether mm. it's sleeping badly maybe it's low iron levels maybe it's a an undiagnosed Mm. condition you know maybe it's as simple as a foot that's that moves too much but it's important to get that checked out because even if you've had the condition for 10 years or you've had a bad experience with another practitioner it doesn't mean that everyone treats the same way you know so it makes sense to get a kind of a follow-up or a second opinion just to see if we can eliminate you know, that pain or at least reduce it. Is it it
1: possible that certain pains in the body could actually be, I I would imagine, yes, but it can be also related to the alignment of your feet if they're not sitting in alignment, that another part of the body is having pain instead.
0: I think of alignment as a movement. Even if you're standing there and the feet look perfect, you know, it may be that when you're actually moving, the stresses are higher in a certain place. So often when you run, I mean, it looks perfect, I mean, the arms are doing the same thing. The legs are coming through the same, but maybe one leg is hitting the ground a lot harder than the other, you know, and that's not something you can kind of physically see, you can record it with all the cameras in the world and you're not going to see an impact force, a foot hitting the ground harder on the left or the right. But intuitively, sometimes we know that we're hitting the ground harder on one side.
1: I know I do.
2: Hmm. (laughs)
0: Yeah, so you probably see it,
1: right? <laughs> yes, I have said I a book a session soon. I have said that. I will. I definitely will. I think just to sort of wrap up the conversation in a way then, Tim, I'd like to know what is the shift that you want to create with your
0: work? I want the body to be seen as a whole unit. I mean, I, I want to be able to, for podiatry, I think we should be doing more kind of physical therapy type work, more strengthening mm. of the feet, less reliance on insoles, but also a better education of what the insole is trying to do. Many physiotherapists or other practitioners see the insoles as being an overpriced piece of plastic that goes in yes. the shoe. Personally I look at it as a realignment type thing. So it's reducing the stress in one area so a part of the body can heal mm. better. And then if we can strengthen the foot and not become reliant on these items. Not then, only, you know, hear. then podiatry becomes then there's a better Mm. relationship i mean but i think when we become entrenched in camps saying barefoot walking is best or shoe walking is best then then we can become very dogmatic and we stop seeing the reality of the situation we're all answering different Mm. questions we need to get clearer questions on what we're trying to do and then we can work together better
1: absolutely wonderful okay Well, thank you so much for your time and for your expertise. I think definitely some of the takeaways is understanding how everyone sort of moves slightly differently. So also knowing how the person's movement, what activities that they're sort of doing as well day to day, and how their feet and body are moving is worth definitely going to, you know, get an assessment done, especially if the person is indulging in so many activities to just make sure that, you know, they're wearing the right type of footwear, they're getting enough barefoot time, right? And they're not in pain because if they're in pain, there's something wrong. Maintaining good hygiene, especially in climates like this, that we are prone to fungal infections especially. So maintaining better, you know, switching around of the shoes, of socks and cleaning and hygiene would be great. Saltwater baths, I think is one main takeaway because I think that just sounds like a very nice spa day, you know, personal. (laughs) You treat yourself, right? To warm water with salt every week is kind of nice What it's kind of a good excuse to be pampering yourself and say no but tim told me <laughs> i'm allowed to do this yeah <laughs> no yes no but thank you so much tim for your time and really appreciate it and yes uh, tim's details will be in the show notes below but thank you very much everyone for tuning in